When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Julie Bowen. I'm Chad Sanders. And this week on Quitters, we are interviewing Ashley Flowers. Yeah, she built an empire. It's something that you have said you wanted yeah. to do. I love a yeah. good empire. I love a good empire built story. She's on the other side. She made a hit and she built yeah. She built yeah. an empire on top of it. In she, podcasting, no less. Audio Chuck. Yeah, she built a huge company. She was in uh, sales and, and software and she quit it favorite word, uh, to try out this little tiny niche thing called, you know, true crime podcasting and bam. Mm. Um, we do have to explain if you are watching this on, uh, YouTube, um, that for the last 20 minutes, we don't have any video of Ashley, but you'll still see us and we're super cute. Yeah. And we also got to say, if you enjoy listening to Ashley, which you will, her book is out right now, and it's called All Good People Here. Yeah, I just read it. It's a page-turner, man. It. It's all you could want from true crime. So enjoy. Here is Ashley Flowers. Hi. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Nice Hello. to meet you. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for inviting me. Thank you. You have a very beautiful looking… Are you in a studio? I am. Yes. Um, for, for like a week longer. It's like a nice little… I know. Uh, but we're moving offices. So this is like one of my last recordings in this space. Fire. Where's the… Um, we, we are very thrilled to have you. And so we're going to ask you a bazillion questions. But we were texting earlier, Julie and I. Yeah. And… Uh, mm-hmm. I have such curiosity about your business and empire and how you yeah. built it. Mm. As does Julie, but I think Julie also has some deep interest in your the social work that you're doing, yeah. the social justice yeah. work you're doing. So I just wanted to see your studio and I saw it and it looks beautiful. Um, That's so interesting. Is that part of your business? Like like Chad said, is that 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 you you because you are very successful. Were you did you start in a closet like we are, or did you start oh. in a beautiful studio like that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not even <laughs> close. Um, I was in I was in a closet. I also had like a spare room that like I made my home office. Uh-huh. And I did, I, we had a, I did my own merch store for the podcast as well. So it was like filled with merch and that's how I would dampen the sound. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, I started in 2017 and I didn't get like a legit space until like 2020. <laughs> wow. One thing that I took away is like the thing I underlined on everything I read about you is that you were like, this is a business from day one. Yes. You're like, this is yes. a business. How did you learn how to be like that? 
Well, I was fortunate enough before I started the podcast, um, the two companies I had worked at before were both very small startups. So even though I wasn't the president of a company, um, I did sales or business development, I got a lot of insight into what it takes to run a company, but also start a company from scratch. And so I took everything that I learned, the good, the bad, the ugly, and really approached this as a startup company. I, I created my LLC before I ever released an episode, and I had a business plan for how mm. I was going to hopefully try and make this work, and I gave myself a year to do it. So you were working in medical sales before that, and that was a startup? Well, yeah. So I was in medical sales. It was a startup. We had a device that would disinfect hospital rooms. But then I actually from there went and did business development for a custom software development firm. And that's where I was when I started the podcast. Uh, you said you had a business plan for this thing. So yeah. can you, can we actually go back there just yeah, for a second? Yeah, because we need a business I, plan. Yeah. I'm like, can we I write this yeah, down? I'm one. getting out a notebook because I'm a <laughs> little bit like, take notes. shit, should we, we have don't a business have one, plan? We don't have one, but the master class. To, <laughs> to be real with you and not to be like all like cutesy cutesy about it, yeah. you know, we like, we know this is a business and we're yeah. entrepreneurs and like you are, you did it. You did you outrun the business plan? Like, are you past where the vision outline oh, ended? Oh, yeah, because I, I never imagined this for my business plan. I mean, again, my business plan was like, I need to be able to pay my mortgage and mm. not be working a full-time job and my podcast, which was a full-time job. I mean, it, I was getting up in the morning at five, working from five till seven. Then I would go to work until five. And then when I would come home, I'd work till 10 o'clock at night. And then I was putting 12 hours in on Saturday, 12 hours in on Sunday. Like I knew that wasn't sustainable. Um, so, so my there, goal really was, go ahead. Sorry, no, there was overlap. That's the part that I, oh, yeah. I didn't, there was overlap. You did not do the leap, you're quit. Because the name of the show is Quitters. You're quit yeah. from having a salaried job at a startup wasn't, leap in the net will appear, you had already yeah. started and you already had your LLC in place. You already were on that. You already saw how much work it was going to be. Yeah. And and that's our, so there was, there was a year overlap before I jumped in because podcasting was so new. Yeah. I had no background in broadcast, in storytelling. Like, I mean, I also was going into something that that I should have had no business going into. Yeah. And even for like, even my, he was my fiance at the time, my now husband, he was like, yeah, let's just make sure this thing has some traction before you just like jump in and give up everything. And <laughs> I was into it. <laughs> I'm so curious because, okay, mm -hmm. so you had the plan. You were like, mm -hmm. I'm going to launch this business. It's going to make me enough money to pay my mortgage. My I mortgage. imagine you may, maybe you have a different mortgage now. <laughs> but were you... Did you know how to tell a story? Did you know, what was it about the actual thing, the product, like the creative of the thing that you believed in? Well, so I had, you know, whether I knew it or not, I had been studying the industry for three years. Like I really got into, into podcasts hardcore in like 2014. And mm. I was consuming everything there was. So I really was understanding what is working, what's not working, what do I like, what do I not like? And the biggest thing is like what was missing from the what, true crime was the genre that I was very, you know, interested in. What's missing from that genre? And so I really over time started to identify that. And for the longest time, I just kept waiting for someone to make it. I'm like, you know, this is getting more and more popular. Like any day now there's these new shows popping up all the time. Someone's going to make the show that I'm looking mm -hmm. for. And it just wasn't happening. It just wasn't happening. And Meanwhile, I 
volunteered a lot already, like in my free time. I had volunteered with my local Crime Stoppers. I eventually was on their board of directors. Mm-hmm. And they had asked me to do some brand awareness for them. Like millennials, people my age didn't know what the program was. And so I actually went on a local radio station, kind of did a deal with them where I was like, listen, I'll come every Monday. I'll tell a quick true crime story. And in exchange, you have to advertise for Crime Stoppers. Um, And so it's just like a continuation of my volunteer work. And the radio station ended up going to number one. It was their most popular segment. And so then that's when I kind of had the realization of, oh, maybe people don't mind hearing me tell a story and maybe I can make the show that I have been waiting so long for. I'm old, so I know what Crime Stoppers is and I want to know if they were still using McGruff the Crime Dog. <laughs> you don't know. That we, the, that's not Crime Stoppers. <laughs> it's not? McGruff the Crime Dog is McGruff. What? Scruff McGruff. No, but it's, it's so funny. Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois. Illinois, 60652. Yeah. yeah. Is that a different thing? <laughs> It's a totally different thing, but it's amazing that you say that because if you listen to like a very early episode of Crime Junkie, I had like baked in ads for Crime Stoppers and there's one all about how everyone thinks it's, yes, Scruff McGruff. Oh my God. I love it. So you were always interested though in crime. And I'm I'm going Mm -hmm. back to Chad's point about it being a business that was, that just dovetailed, or were you like, well, okay, he's the biggest money makers in podcasts. Crime, sex, and celebrity. (laughs) And uh, I don't want to talk about, like, were there other, uh, were you narrowing it down or was it always crime for you? It was always true crime for me. Me and Britt used to joke that if we were going to do anything else, it was going to be like a Project Runway recap show. Yes. But I'm glad that we went this <laughs> Oh, please, can I'm I glad be a guest on that? Show. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, it really was. And I honestly attribute this to a lot of our success is that even though I wanted this to be a business, again, not an empire, I just want to be able to pay my bills. I didn't get into true crime because it was like the hottest thing out there. I got into it and I picked this genre because I had such a passion for it. And to me, I don't think that's something that you can fake. And I really believe that I am my audience. And so that I was able to connect with them and give them something that they wanted in a way that I think anyone who just tried to come into this space because they thought it was hot or popular, I don't think they could do that. You had sort of first mover advantage, it sounds like is what you're saying, to some extent, because you said somebody else is going to do this and then nobody else did it and then you did it. But there's so, I mean, it's now so crowded and you Mm -hmm. still sit at the top like Drake or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Why Drake of podcasting. (laughs) Yeah, I mean… You had first mover advantage. You had a really good. You had a really good um, hook, which is you know the, the true crime genre. But yeah. like, what do you think it is about you? I mean, I, obviously passion, but I'm just curious. Like, why? Why are you? Why do you think you're the one? A, I think it's a lot of hard work that I don't know that everyone has in them or has the time for it. I mean, the time in my life, I didn't have a kid. I wasn't, you know, though I was with my now husband, like we weren't married. I had the time to put in, or I guess we got married right at the beginning, but he was getting his master's. So this took an amount of work that I think is really, really, really difficult. And I was I was willing to do the hard work. Like it didn't just come. I had to push for it. I also think that there's something relatable about me and even Britt, my my best friend, my co-host, in that we're still here in Indianapolis. Yeah. A lot of the podcasts are being made out of New York and out of L.A. And so many people have come up with us. Like they were there four and a half years ago in the beginning when me and Britt were working full-time jobs. And we were just doing this because we loved it and we were trying to make it work. And they've seen us grow. They've grown with us. and 
I don't know if they see a little bit of themselves. And like, again, these these girls who should not have been given a platform in any other industry, we couldn't have gotten to radio. We couldn't have gotten right. into mm-hmm. TV. But that's what's something that is so magical about podcasting is there was nothing that could that could keep someone like me from the middle of nowhere, Indiana, from making the biggest true crime podcast. You have your own platform. You just said you, you've created Audio Chuck. Mm-hmm. which is your platform. And Chad and I know, I was, as fairly recent podcasters, that that's where the that's where the, the money goes away is when somebody else is producing mm. you and taking mm. a massive mm. percentage. How did, did that figure into your original business plan too? Well, I, I always wanted to do most of our stuff internally. Again, I just, I wanted to have some, some kind of control. I also think that the things I didn't know played a little <laughs> yeah. into my advantage yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know what help was out there. Right. Like, I, I, producer was like such a foreign word to me. Right. Like, I didn't even understand what that would mean for a podcast. And so it was very much like, if you're going to make this happen, you don't have the connections or resources. You've got to figure it out yourself. And I did. I I figured it out myself. And in doing so, in doing so here in Indiana, I was able to do it really economically, which played into my ability to continually being able to reinvest into the show Mm. and grow it. As a connecting point, I want to share that I used to work in tech as well. I worked at Google Mm. out of college, and then I went to a tech startup and similarly, I quit and did not build a podcasting <laughs> empire, but I did quit. And I, I, I know eventually, you know, this, this show really is about telling the stories of people who quit something. And mm. I think that sort of the, the low-hanging fruit, like the obvious thing that you left behind was that career path for this one, which was a risk for you. But did you leave like another version of yourself in that world in the tech world? Or is this is this who you've been like as a through line? I mean, I think this, this person who's in, been invested in true crime has been the through line. I never thought though, like I never grew up and was like, I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I just kept looking for the thing that I was great at. I, I constantly have like reinvented myself. Again, I out of college, I did biomedical research. I did genetics research at Notre Dame. And then I went into medical sales. And then when I gave that up, I went into custom software. And so I kind of made a joke that like, I don't I don't stay in a career. Like I want to mm-hmm. try new things. I want to reinvent myself. And I've loved doing that. I don't feel like I gave anything up. And in in my life, again, I feel like, and I can remember feeling this way ever since I was like in high school. I remember being like, I can be good at a lot of things. I fake it till you make it or even just be like, listen, I've got, I've got enough skills that I can figure something out. But I, I could never find the thing that I was great at until I found this. And it was like, I'm glad that I, I tried new things and I took the leap from different industries. Because otherwise, like, again, if you're, if you're not loving what you're doing, how are you ever going to find something else? If I didn't try my hand at podcasting, though I had no experience whatsoever, I would have never found the thing that I truly now believe that I'm great at and was meant to do. So you knew it was a business. And this is sort of, this is one of the pivots that I I know you've had to make in the four years or wait, now it's been uh, five years, right? Since you started your podcast. It'll be five years in December. Okay. Four and a half. So you started with your best friend, Britton. By the way, can I ask how she's doing? She's doing, she's doing good. Yeah. She's not back on the show yet. Um, but she's expected to make a full recovery. Okay. Um, Good. She had, yeah, for everyone who doesn't know, she had um, a, 
a uh, clot in her bleed. brain and then like and then multiple brain bleeds. So she had emergency surgery, but she's doing really well. Okay. Well, I wish mm. her the very best. I'm sorry. I'm so Thanks. sorry to hear that. But it started sort of as this passion project. And I imagine that's one of the reasons, like you said, these two girls from Indiana, like yeah. your buddies, <laughs> you like this, you're like obsessed with it. And then you're successful, and then comes the backlash. And then come the people mm-hmm. who say, How dare you profit yeah. off of this? I, I'm an actor. I've been on in the in the public for a long time. I cringe. I shrink. I hide. That's just what I do. I don't want to be seen as a public mm. figure. I want to act, and, and it's hard to be put out there. You guys had to get out there and defend some of your work and also then walk back other pieces that were no longer working for you as you grew more successful. Can you talk about how you how you had to pivot on that and how you— stood by the things you really believe in to make it your your podcast more successful and and to also serve because I do think you are serving a, a purpose um, yeah. by bringing these stories to light when we started and the show has evolved a lot and what I would say is I don't I don't think we've walked anything back I have been very big on we we haven't even done a lot of to your point of like oh I'm out there like defending what I'm doing my stance I've always tried to let the work speak for itself mm-hmm. because even when people came out and said oh I, you know you're profiting off of this or I don't like how you're doing again from day one I when I started the podcast um, I was working with Crime Stoppers and trying to to push their nonprofit. And the bigger the show has gotten, the more that I've been able to work with nonprofits. And so when I didn't have a dime and I was just, you know, throwing money into this, it was about awareness. It was about call to actions. It was about nonprofits. And then as soon as we had money, we started put like actually putting our money where our mouth was and investing back into this community that we are taking from. And so I've kind of always viewed it as that is, listen, from day one, you can go back to our shows. We didn't change anything. This is what we have been about since day one. And we've been able to do more and more and more. And as far as, again, like taking taking the information, taking these cases, no one owns these stories except right. for the people who lived them. And when we first started, again, the, to me, the crime junkie experience was, you know, I wish I was a detective. <laughs> I will never be a detective. Yeah. And so it was like, Back in the day before I ever had a podcast, I would go online and I would scour the internet. I tried Mm -hmm. to find every article, every web forum. So I felt like I knew the case inside and out. And the Crime Junkie experience really was taking that information that was already reported on and putting it together in a succinct way so so someone could get that experience through a 40-minute story that we tell. That being said, that was when it was just me. And now that we have more resources, I also found that we were kind of in this catch-22 where what I wanted was to talk about underreported cases, about marginalized communities. But then I got in this cycle of saying, well, I, you know, I can't talk about them because no one has done the reporting and there's nothing for me to talk about. Mm. And so when we had the resources um, in May of 2019, we actually started hiring reporters for mm. Crime Junkie. We have a, we have other shows that do, yeah. you know, investigative reporting. But for, for Crime Junkie specifically, we hired reporters so we can start. We still do some of the, you know, the old school resource information. But now we're incorporating originally reported cases that you can't hear anywhere, anywhere else because no one else has talked about them. So that's part of how I want to continually evolve. We we weren't perfect day one. We're not perfect today. No, one, and no I one's don't, perfect. <laughs> and, and the true crime space, I think, has a lot, like a lot of room to grow. And I think that that's what I care about is how can we continually keep growing, keep learning, because this space is changing so quickly. Yeah, there's a lot of true crime stuff out there. Absolutely. And there's a lot that's gory. And I appreciate it in listening 
to, because I was doing random, like I was like <sighs> doing a random selections that, you know, you kept saying, this is somebody's mother. This was somebody's mm-hmm. son. Just remember, like, as, as crazy, yes, he was drunk. Yes, he was here. But his mother, his mother still lives and has to live with this every day. And yeah. that there's always sort of a call to action. I was really impressed and moved by that. You you remind me of uh, David Simon, the oh, creator yeah. of The Wire. Because <laughs> oh. he was like, a, oh, man, the Zoom, I can't see your face, but I hope you're smiling. Because that yeah. I think of that as a really high compliment. But I mean yeah. it. Love like, the wire, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so because like this genuine curiosity that you had, and and concern for you know this type of crime, like or, or many types of crime, birthed like something very special creatively and very big creatively, and now it's like you kind of have to be entrepreneur, social activist, and artist, which you which you basically already were. But yeah. I feel like now you have the option to just like, you can call it whatever you want, to, to hide in just being the, the creator, the artist, and the entrepreneur. But you're not doing that. And, and, and is it because you feel, is it just because you care or is it also because you feel like you have someone to answer to because you, you, you profit from this environment? It's, it, it is both, right? Like I, I couldn't, I love what I do and I love being invested in these cases, but I could not go to bed at night if I was making a living off of that and not giving back in some way, not not making a difference. And and again, people who do the news, you know, like there's difference, you know, having a salary. Like I've got a whole team now. We've got 30 people that work here and we're providing livelihoods for them. But it, I think this again goes to the core of like, I've, I've always, I got to have a reason for being here. And I, you know what I mean? Mm. Like I want to know that me being alive, me contributing to the world made it a better place in some way. I always used to say like, I want to know before I die that because of me, something was solved. Like, you know, like, like I'll, again, I'll never be the detective that does it. And we did that. Like when we started our nonprofit, it actually solved a homicide case. And there's something about that that brings meaning for me if I can help other people. And again, I, like I always wanted to be the detective, didn't think that that was a path for me. I didn't think I'd be actually good at it, but I found a way to help people in a really meaningful way by doing what I found I'm good at. And I hope that's something that people take away too, is that it, it can be bizarre. Like who would have thought it, like by doing a podcast or by being a storyteller that I'd be solving murders? I didn't think that a long time ago. And that that is what is driving me. So it would be easy to sit, be just sit back and be the host of a show, but that feels kind of meaningless. You also sort of remind, and I mean this as as a compliment. Like <laughs> you sort of remind me of the people who I'm nervous. I know. I'm nervous. Who did? I know you are. He's <laughs> like I mean it as a compliment, is, okay. including me. I know you're no, like. I, don't be offended, but <laughs> I mean this as uh, no. This is not a don't be offended, but I, I I feel like you're gonna feel me when I say the words. Like I think you, something about your energy reminds me of some of the people that did really well in software sales at Google mm-hmm. specifically, like energy, intonation, like passion for the thing, yeah. passion for the thing that they're like selling. But I'm curious, did you learn? anything about how to tell a story from doing sales in software? Or am I forcing something there? I don't think it was how to tell a story in sales. I had some, again, weird things to sell. Like what I learned, more from the business side, how to sell myself, how Mm. to sell 
this show, how to market this show, how to, the idea of selling a story to someone, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of get what you're saying in, in a little bit, but I don't know. I've never really yeah, like dug no, too deep not really. in it. I'm just great at it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Hollywood knocking at your door and mm. I've been listening to you and, and you love to tell you stories and you love to get to this, you love to kind of sharpen the pencil down to this point where you leave the podcast going, somebody was in that building. Somebody mm-hmm. drove by that school. Somebody pulling it all, all the threads of the story together and making a really good narrative and leaving it open-ended too, which is hard. Because it's, it's, it's not satisfying, and yet you have to you have to leave it in a place where it goes. And now we are open, like call, write, mm-hmm. look into it, do whatever you can. That is sort of this passionate work, and it gives back. And then a big fat Hollywood agency calls and says, "We want to sign you, and we're going to make TV shows and all that." And do you feel like you're turning your back on something, or you're just giving a wider voice to these people who don't have a voice anymore? I hope it's a wider voice. Like we've we've never done anything yet in TV because I am also very cautious of that. We've had plenty of people uh, have meetings with us. I've learned what a general is, and it's like the most bullshit. <laughs> I can't like oh, I girl. I can help you. <laughs> I can tell I you all about generals. Don't know how you live in this world. I have like such little patience. Again, what I love about podcasting is like there are multiple shows I have out there that I got the idea, and three weeks later the show was like out there in the world, mm. and that's what I love, and like that's how I'm operating. So Hollywood is like a whole nother thing for me. But there are plenty of people who've come knocking, and at the end of the day, like that's what I'm really, really protective of is like, we've got a very clear mission. Our our fans and our listeners know what to expect from us. And I'm very wary of just handing that over to someone else who potentially isn't doing it for the same reason that I'm doing it. And I've heard a lot of horror stories from people whose shows or messages got totally jumbled. And so I hope that there is a way to venture in there because I do think that TV, these other forms of media are a huge way to get these stories out there. And at the end of the day, especially these unsolved ones is, is a numbers game. You've got to get to the right person. But I'm cautious that we do it the right way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That leads me to another question, which, I mean, Julie's like an expert's expert's expert on Hollywood. Obviously, mm-hmm. I am a super duper newbie. And I, one of the things I don't love about Hollywood is like delegation. It's like expecting this agent to represent well, mm-hmm. like what your creative vision was for this thing that means so much to you. It's the mm-hmm. stuff that you're saying. It's like, is someone else going to look at my heart and soul as like a widget and just trying to trade it for the next thing? Yeah. But I'm curious because you have an empire, because you telling your story, it sounds, and you've, and I've read up else, in other places that you are sort of a workaholic, like you love mm. to work and you work. Mm-hmm. Are you able to give people responsibility, give people power, give people the things that matter to you and hand them off and look away? Or are you on top of everything? Are you like, I need my hand, I need my hands and my head in the weeds of everything that's running around me? No, I, 
it takes me a long time to find the right people. I, I don't, again, I don't think I could just hand something to somebody at a production company outside in Hollywood and be like, go make, you know, the deck, the TV show. But that being said, like I said, we have like a team of like 30 now. And there wow. isn't a single person like in this company that I wouldn't be like, you know, go talk to this family of a victim and we're going to write this story. And I trust every single one of them to do that too. Delia, she goes in and investigates and girls out there like solving murders and I'm not looking over her shoulder. She calls me to talk about it because I'm interested and I want to EP and I want to give her direction. The stuff that I'm that I'm invested in is because I I I want to know. Again, I, like I got into this because I love it. And if there's a show that I'm hosting, like I'll always tweak the script so it sounds just like me. But no, like I the if if I've got someone here in house, it's because I trust them with like the most sensitive things that we're doing. And that takes a long time to find those people, especially in Indiana. And you're but you're talking about it, five years in 30 people. 30 employees yeah. in five years, like you say a long time, but that's not long at all. That's like a that's a minute. To find it's, not, it's, it's really long time in software world, but not. Uh, I always say, I always say, podcasting is like dog years. <laughs> like it feels like forever. But I and I really only started hiring at the end of 2019. So it's, like I, we've hired 30 people in like two years, oh, wow. essentially. So it's, yeah, it's happened you, really like, fast. How do you? How do you know? Like, how do you know about a person? I mean, it's an interview. It's conversation. It's but but like. How do you know that it's going to pan out with a human being? Like, what are you? Oh, you looking don't for? like, and it, it hasn't worked out with everyone. Like, <laughs> it, it to me, like the most important thing is someone's character, which I hope to learn about. You know, people can tell you whatever they want in an interview, right. but like, there are some telling questions for me. Like, again, our our tentpole pillar, if you will, is our advocacy work, and so I always like ask people in their interviews, like. What what social issues are you passionate about and how have you gotten involved? There's a lot of people who have never thought about volunteering or about getting involved in something or doing anything. And, and I think that says something because, again, before I, I was podcasting, I was volunteering. There's like, I have a telling question when I interview people that I don't like to give away, but I'll tell you. It's my favorite Please. question to ask. Oh, now you're going to have Please. to come up with a new one. And then make Julia. Yeah, Julia has to answer it. I'll answer. I always ask people, tell me about the worst boss you've ever had. No. Oh, oh my God. I worked for a, an in air quotes producer in New York who did nothing all day, never paid me. He, I, I made $100 a week and he basically used me as a babysitter for his child. He didn't actually do any producing. He would just go to the movies all day. And at one point when his, um, his wife sat, very sadly, it broke my heart, had, um, um, a miscarriage. And he was like, just tell everyone that calls that I'm not working today because she had a miscarriage. And I was like, are you kidding? I will do oh. no such thing. I was <sighs> horrified. Now looking back, I have much more compassion because I realized he was probably like 32. And <laughs> I was 21. So he seemed like this like much older, so more sophisticated yeah. guy. But I, at the time, was just, you know, it was my first boss. I had no idea what what a not good boss he was. What does that tell you about me? Yeah. Well, so then my my follow-up question is now tell me about your best boss. Oh. Oh. Oh, my best boss. I've, I've had a few really good bosses that have, uh, they always forced me to make my own decisions in the end mm -hmm. and make my own choices and stand by them. They would guide me in a direction because it got more and more into the creative field of like acting or directing or producing. And more and more they would 
say, yes, there you have these choices. You've got A, B, and C or A and B. Whichever one you choose is the one you need to stand by and defend. And they yeah. they not that they let me hang out to dry, but they made me not, I, I always knew the buck was then going to stop with me and not yeah. go, well, he said I had to do it or she said I had to do it. Yeah. So that's the, those are the questions I ask. And it's amazing how like someone will say all the right things in an interview. But when you ask them that true question, I've had many people who their answer is exactly the opposite oh, of everything really? they told me. Oh, yeah. Because they're like trying to tell me what they, what they think I want to hear. But when you right. ask a real life example, it's really hard for them to lie. And right. so, again, I mean, what I'm hearing from, from you is like you want to be independent. You want to be surrounded by people who are, with, who are putting in the hard work. And it's just amazing. Like if people will really give themselves away. I also like, again, I'm going to be someone's boss. And if they're explaining somebody that's exactly like me. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work out at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you go. There's my secret, my secret interview question. Can I ask a question about quitting? Yeah. Do you have one baby or two? One. I just, uh, yeah, she's fresh. Okay. I knew you had a new baby. I just didn't know if it was your second baby or first. So I first apologize. Baby. And you've gotten some, uh, some of the people, like everybody likes to read you your business and tell you, you shouldn't work so much. And you get emails and DMs and everything else. Like, you need to stop. You need to spend time with your child. You're working too hard. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, would make you quit even temporarily to spend more time with your child? Or is it more a matter of, I need to quit reading my comment section? <laughs> oh, yeah. The The only thing that would make me stop is if I if I felt like, the job started becoming a hindrance. Like, I, again, I still love it. And have I, am I working less now? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, now that I have a kid, like I'm I'm working, before I would show up at the office at five, I would leave at seven. And now I'm working more of a 7.30 to 4.30. Mm-hmm. But I want my daughter to see me love something. Like yeah. if, I did, if I didn't have a passion or something that I was working towards, I think I would be really unhappy. And there's no way that I would be a good mother to her if I was unhappy. And so the second that this job doesn't make me happy, the second I'm, again, not doing something positive for the world, um, the second that I stop liking being a business owner, that's when I roll it back. But I'm not, I don't, I'm not rolling it back just because I have a kid. Right. Um, I could actually, I think, do a lot more harm than good. So you have a, you have a full life, you have a family you have a humming business, you have artistic expression, you have your social activism, like you have so many things. And then you also decided to write a book. Oh, yeah. So yeah. like, what? first of all, before we, I, I, I want to know everything about the writing of the book and why you're writing mm-hmm. the book and all, and all the things. My, my first, first question though is like, was that a part of the vision? Was that a part of the business plan? Was that a part, or was this like, I want to write a book, so I'm writing a book? Uh, no, it wasn't part of like the long-term plan. Um, also like, again, writing your first book, not super lucrative. So like, <laughs> it really was more just like a passion project. And I mean, again, when I tried to pitch this, most people didn't want it. They were like, no, people want true crime from you. And I was like, yeah, but like, this is a, this is what I want to do. So I had to really sell the fiction book hard. Because um, you, so, I'm surprised that you say that. You, I'm sure you could have just gone and written yourself a big check to write a crime book. Well, yes. If someone, right. but again, this is where it comes back to like it's not. It's not about just getting a big check for me. I didn't feel because again, what people wanted was let's take your crime junkie stories and and make it into mm-hmm. some kind of book. And I'm like, that doesn't. That actually doesn't help further our mission in any way. There needs to be a reason I'm doing this other than just to do it. Um, again, if I'm just going to do something for fun, 
I want to do a fiction mystery novel. The stakes are a lot lower <laughs> for, for me. So it was, it was just something that I had been passionate about. I mean, this is kind of how my crime junkie journey started. Like when I was younger, my mom would read me Agatha Christie and I would read all these fiction mystery novels. So while this feels, I think, to people who know me for true crime and podcasting like a departure, part of it for me feels like I'm going back to what started this whole thing for me in the first place. So it's really storytelling. Mm. It's really those original yeah. stories that were being told. Did you, um, can you tell us the name of your novel? All Good People mm-hmm. Here. All Good People Here, which sounds very positive for a uh, something about <laughs> For a about murder mystery, crime. I know. <laughs> for a murder mystery. Are you really and truly, have you ever, like, done any deep analysis? Was there ever any, any crime or loss that happened close to your family or your community in a way that obsessed you? Or... Did this really just become an interest and a passion for you as a child with your mom? It just became an interest and a passion. And it's funny that you say that because originally in the book that I wrote, which so it's about this journalist who is in Indianapolis, comes back to her small town, and um, a girl goes missing, and it might be tied to this 20-year-old crime that mm-hmm. has gone unsolved. Mm-hmm. And originally, I again, with my editor, I was like, she's like, okay, well, what tie does this woman have to, to this town or this mystery. And I'm like, nothing. Like, I was like, there's people like me all over oh, the world. Oh, wow, we have no that's t- so we interesting. Have, we have no ties. We're just so invested. <laughs> like, and th- like, they could not wrap their heads around it. So it was one of the things I actually had to like change and edit in the book is, is she ended up being like neighbors with this young girl. They were actually friends because they're like, no one will ever buy that you can be invested in true crime without being touched by it. What is it about true crime? Like, why do people, why does it stick? Like, why do people love it? Well, I think, I always say that I think there's two reasons. I think that in our minds, we like resolution and we like things to make sense. And Mm. so with unsolved cases or even solved ones, like we can't wrap our head around why someone else would do that. And we keep constantly looking for the thing that's going to make it make sense. And I think that's just how our brains work. They're, They're attracted to these mysteries because we want to solve them. We don't like things left undone. Mm-hmm. We also wanted to be we also want to protect ourselves. If there's a reason why somebody mm-hmm. got murdered or raped or left for dead in a field or something, it, we want to know that it had a there was a reason and that reason exactly. can never happen to me. And it's yep. it's not victim blaming, but it is pr- this sort of like ta 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 like like it, it happened for a reason. I know when I got divorced I had that same thing. People were like, why did you get divorced? They wanted to know that it wasn't going to happen to them. And I'm like, yeah, it can happen. Do you relate to that, Julie? Like, I think I want to not know all the ways that I could get murdered so I can not think about them or like not well, dream about them. Well, it's not like hyper vigilant. It's yeah. why they got murdered. It's like, if you read about a guy that looks like you, is your age, has your, <laughs> your like height, weight, hair color from the same place and no one can, and it was 25 he's a years model, ago. Right? This guy? He's gorgeous. <laughs> he's so cute and he's a great basketball player. And, they, he and was, he's tall, right? Yes. No, he's exactly your height. Whatever your height is, <laughs> is the perfect height. And so, but he's, they find him dead in a swimming pool. In some suburban neighborhood. That's so scary. And no one can solve it. It's 20 years later. It hangs over you in a way, it personally. Because yeah, you're I like, get I, get I need to know I why that. that guy died. So I need to know that that was really his uncle who was mad at him because he stole uh, his shoes or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And not like, oh, because nobody, nobody wants bad shit to happen to good people for no reason. But mm-hmm. but is it also, because again, I do relate in that I, the part of genre, the part of horror that I love is I like to feel scared. I, it makes oh, me feel alive. What it is makes wrong me feel, with you? 
I don't know. It just makes, it gives me a little bit of a purpose for a day. Like it's like something, it's just, it's a new element. Is that any part of it or is that, that separate? Like, it's not about people also wanting to feel, I don't know, just like feel anything, like feel alive by knowing about death. No, I don't like, like no. <laughs> I don't at least that hasn't been my experience um because I because I think that truly these stories are scarier than horror and fiction that's what I mean yeah so yeah scary. and I again I, like the the moment that it becomes too real to Julie's point like that's when it becomes too much is when ah. it gets too close to home and I mean I can't tell you how many times people are like I skip over the episodes you have with kids because yeah. I have kids mm. and it that feels way That's too so real. That's so scary, man. Have yeah. you pivoted away from kids now that you have one? Like, are you no. feeling that too? <laughs> no? No. My, like, and it, it's interesting because I am I am drawn to those cases more than anything else. And I, I think this is the, again, the like, the, re, the trying to find reason and something mm. that's unreasonable is I, adults, I like, I under, kind of understand. Like, they can hurt each other. Mm-hmm. They can yeah. betray mm-hmm. each other. There's something so innocent about a child that I'm like, it takes a true monster. Yeah. And I want to track down every single one of them. But those monsters are usually based, and again, this is my magical thinking at play because I do the same thing when I hear about kids being kidnapped or murdered or mm-hmm. exes. My ex would never do this. I'm not, no, casting no aspersions. Um, But ex, <laughs> ex-husbands or wives stealing kids and then killing them because if you can't mm-hmm. have them, you you can't have them mm-hmm. if I can't have them kind of things. At least that, it has to do with the adults. And when yeah, you yeah. get a standalone somebody who just wants to hurt innocent children, that's where I do. I have to close the door, not yeah. watch that, not listen to that podcast, not watch that TV show because it is, it's nonsensical and it's too painful. I want to ask so many questions about like the production of this book. And mm-hmm. also like, is the book, it's it's done, right? Like it's turned yeah. into the pu- publisher, it's done. Who's publishing yeah. it? Phantom. Phantom, the nice. Yeah. And did your fingers go clickety clack on the keyboard, or did you like work with a writer? Or you I did worked the, with. You the, did the thing? I I'm great at writing for podcasts. If it were up to me to make a 300 page book, it'd be like a 300 page run on sentence. Oh really? <laughs> so I worked. Oh my god! I worked with um, a woman named Alex Keister. She's fantastic. And so I had this storyline in my head. And kind of how this plot would unfold and who the suspects would be and who, you know, who the culprit ultimately is and how I wanted it to end. And um, she helped me actually, like, bring the story to life. I could not have done it without her. She was amazing. What's her name again? Let's let's give her a little plug. Alex? Alex Keister. Keister? <laughs> a Keister? Mm-hmm. Keister. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm curious, now that that space then is opened up for you again. I mean, you finished the book. It's out there. Like, yeah. are you filling this? You have so many podcasts and, and other projects coming up. Uh, are you uncomfortable with empty space? Can you not have that in your life? Empty time? Well, now my now my space is filled with a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the time, the time that I was like doing the book and I, you know, me and Alex were on Zooms constantly and sticky notes and storylines. And I think truly like now that that's taken away, it has provided room. And and again, in me hiring all these people, that's taken stuff off of me and provided me room. So I feel like I can be the mother that I want to be. I definitely don't feel like I'm just sitting on my hands right now. <laughs> oh, no. Do you still it does cons- not seem so. <laughs> no, not at all. Do you still consume podcasts the way that you used to? Or are you like, oh, yeah. enough? 
I mean, I don't have as much time anymore. I, I, yeah. I definitely don't feel like enough. I'm constantly looking for like the latest, the greatest, the newest. It's I still am looking for the true crime uh, investigative series. What did I just listened to recently, there's a really good one called Dead End that was like good mm. investigative journalism. Mm. Um, but a lot like I have a 40 minute commute to the office. So that's really my podcast time or if I get to take my dog on a walk. And did you see I'll Be Gone in the Dark? I did, yeah. So good. Yeah, I can't stop thinking about that as you talk. The one about um, Patton Oswalt's wife, Michelle McNamara, mm-hmm. was this close to solving, uh, uh, proving Unreal. that three different serial killers were actually one serial killer. And then they all solve it um, after she passes. All these yeah. people come together, these crime junkies, and they actually mm-hmm. solve it based on the information that she had gathered and, and, the, uh, and the clues that she sort of put together. It's a fantastic, but terrifying. Do you ever yeah, get truly. that terrifying feeling like she described having while you're going through some of the, the, the investigations Not- that you are? Not so much in Crime Junkie or The Deck. That's a different story every week. So we don't get to live in those mm. for very long. But we have a show called Counterclock that mm. is like a real, truly investigative journalism. She's turning up new leads, hunting down witnesses and suspects. And there have been seasons of that that have felt potentially unsafe and mm. have gotten a little scary. Oof. But um, luckily, oh. everything's been fine. Do you have like security? Just out of <laughs> care? Just to- yes. No, like I we, see we actually armed have been like guards and cameras all around her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, what can she see said. just like one, just like one, like three hundred dollar a day uh, gentleman <laughs> Guy, yeah, or lady. Yeah. No, but we have been like really cautious about it. Like we don't put our website or our address on anything. We've got like a PO box that we use, and even mm. our office. Like we don't put a sign out front of the office because we don't want people to really know where we are. So, you know, I mean, it what be about that the hard, fact that you're, you've got that podcast? Uh, uh, the deck, which mm-hmm. is based on a deck of cards that has mm-hmm. the most wanted unsolved. Uh, um, how not do I even, say? It? Yeah, not even the most wanted. It's like it's almost like they're hail mary. Oh, okay. So these right. these decks are filled with cases that have just gone so cold, and there's truly like nothing else that can be done except for they're hoping someone comes forward with information. And so every week we cover a different case that's on one of those cards. But they get, they hand these car- decks of cards out in prison. Prisons, yeah. To, in the hopes that prisoners will go, oh yeah, right? I mean like, oh, I remember hearing this about so-and-so and like we'll, we'll give information. Yeah. Does that give you extra, like Chad was saying, a little bit more cause for pause that there's you're going to get a you know, call from Indianapolis jail, correctional <laughs> facility, call from, and you're like, no. Uh-huh. Luckily, we, like, you know, we're not making the cards or distributing them. Like, they're they're made by the department. And all the call to actions we we have go go too directly to okay. police. Does that mean, like, someone isn't going to become fascinated, obsessed? I don't know. Not yet. Knock on wood. <laughs> I mean, that's your Hollywood story, though, where, they, where they, they're not getting through to the FBI or they're not getting through to their police department. They end up calling you in the middle of the Hunting night. Hunting down the podcast. And yeah. that's it, man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's your Hollywood CBS show starts next week. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, you're very silly. Julie's so funny, man. I like t- two times a pod. I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a comedic genius. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> I just want to know what you can see from up there because you came in and the industry was like five years old ish, mm-hmm. or let's say like seven years old or something like that. Now it's like ten to twelve years old. You're like the whale. You're like one of the whales and. Do you think like, I mean, obviously now there's like a gazillion of these things popping up every second. We're here like as one of these little minnows popping up. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Because you're, you're kind of like a business visionary. Can you tell us the answers? 
I I think that what we're going to see is honestly the idea of what a podcast really was, I think is going away, mm. which is a little sad. I think mm. podcasts, though they'll, I think, continue to use that word, are turning into shows. And mm-hmm. I think they're they're becoming like platform agnostic. And so the way we subscribe to Hulu or HBO for mm-hmm. like specific shows, I think that that's going to happen more and more. Is I'm, I, you know, I go to Spotify for this show that I love and Apple for this show that I love and Amazon for this show that I love. And it's a bummer. I mean, again, the, the idea of the RSS feed kind of goes away. But, mm. you know, again, people already are used to that. They do that in TV. So it's not the end of the world. But mm. I think it it's going to make it harder and harder for new shows to get found by people because you've got to capture them somewhere outside of the platform if you're not if they're not on the right one. But then the, then it'll turn, though. Don't you think like TV in a way you when you saturate the market gets saturated there's too mm-hmm. much and then there's sort of a die off and only and the and it's kind of like pruning the tree the good stuff gets to rise to the top again i just mix yeah, I mean, eight metaphors like, terribly i'm sorry I, th- <laughs> I think there was like this moment where everyone's like cuz for a long time nobody like gave a shit about podcasts yeah. they were like oh that's cute you go make your internet radio show <laughs> and then yeah. all of a sudden these bigger deals started happening and they're like and everyone was like oh my god there's money to be made and kind mm-hmm. of just like threw Threw money at it. We're just making shows right and left. Again, without, without I think, that, like, thoughtful idea of, like, what is the purpose of this? What void are we filling? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were just making the same show over and over. So I do think that's true. I think that when people threw so much at it, not everything can be successful. And I think that there is a moment, too, for people to ride out if they're loving what they're doing and if they're really believing that, you, that you're serving a, an audience with a show that you're making that, that you can't get it anywhere else. The rest of the noise will go away. I have to imagine that like the big like big studios have probably tried to buy your whole world a zillion times are you polite when you tell them no or is it more is it more of like a fuck off (laughs) good Um, god i'm polite don't say fuck off never say fuck off well i was gonna say (laughs) i'm a woman and so i can't be rude or i can't Mm. even like be not super nice or i'll be like a huge bitch but um, mm. No, like I and I still want to work with all of the studios, right? Like, a, like I like doing co-productions. I've done stuff with Parcast and Spotify. I don't want to alienate anyone or again, make myself like this, like she's going to be independent forever. So it, it has been just like, hey, this isn't, this is, it doesn't make any sense for me. Thank you for the offer. But like, no, thank you. But it's also always, it doesn't make any sense right now. Yeah, mm. it's right now. I had a baby and then two years later had twins. And uh, my life, I mean, yeah, trust me. I like here you do your your um your stuff for uh, Pampers and like the blowouts, and yeah. the diapers and all that stuff, your ads. And I'm like, twins. I, oh I, it's so real. I can still smell it. And your, <laughs> your life might change. Your priorities might change. You can have mm-hmm. all kinds of things change. And God bless you. I hope you suffer if at that time... <laughs> You call them and go, yeah, and here's my price. And it's one gajillion dollars. And you have to give 15% of it to victims' rights organizations or whatever yeah. it is. That's just, that's my that's my loose pitch for you to take into your agent. Thank you. Thank um, you. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm, I'm happy to represent. I'll, I won't take a percentage at all. <laughs> but is there anything that you think would make you ever quit besides not liking it? Anything that would make you want to pivot away? Um, you know, if, again, if I ever thought that 
that being with a bigger company could do more mm-hmm. for the stories that I was telling. Right now, like, again, every offer we've gotten, I think, would would take away from it. Again, you talk about being platform mm-hmm. agnostic, all of that. And, you know, these bigger companies don't have the the philanthropic vision that I do. And so I've also said, like, I need, I also need to get to a place where if I sold, that it, it'd be enough that, like, I, you know, they could do whatever they wanted with the show and I can continue everything I want to do philanthropically because of that sale. Yeah. And so I think that the, the thing that would make me change again is, is, is it doing something better for the cases that we're talking about, the stories that we're talking about? And or do we get to a place, like, as we continue to grow, like, I loved being a CEO of six people. I loved being a CEO right now of 30 people. <laughs> but I keep saying like, you know, I don't think we'll, but I used to say, well, on my company will never be more than 10 people. And now I'm at 30. And so would I want to be a CEO of a company that had 200 people? Oh, I don't know. You don't yeah, want to do, sound- do the all hands with the little, uh, like Dude, Janet Jackson overhead H- microphone. HR is hat. like, it's just, it's babysitting adults. And it's I love just, every person that works here. You two are getting <laughs> so into your tech past right now. The Venn diagram. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know what that just meant. What did that mean? That oh, all hands with a what? what? All hands. We just could do like, like a stand up the in the morning. all hands with the mic like this. And you're like, get fired up, everybody. We're oh selling widgets. God. You mean like you a know? Zappos? Like... Like meeting, like I've like seen a, these like like Steve Jobs situation. Yeah, like think about Steve Jobs up on his little stage okay. over his, you know. <laughs> but he, yes, they do that yeah. every morning. No, like once a quarter. Or something oh, like so that. it's all hands. It's like a big company wide meeting, and everybody gets in it. Get them. Did that make you yeah. crazy? I know Chad did not like corporate environment. Did that make you crazy, Ashley? Yeah, I can't do like all of the HR bullshit. Like, because again, I just want to come. I want to work. I want to like, I want, I want to be a workhorse and like drive. Sure. And so even like the feel good stuff, like when I worked at this company and God bless them because it was the best boss I ever had, but they had these like online yeah. kudos system where it's like you gave people kudos for something. I'm like, whoa, I don't whoa, need kudos. Whoa, like, I got, like, what's I got kudos? work Is it to like do. An, an emoji or like a sticker or like a it's, thumbs yeah, up? Yeah, it's literally like you like type in a message to them. I don't know. It, to me, it was so weird. And I was like, we've got other things to do, you guys. Two things. One, do you ever think back about the companies that you've worked for and think like, I don't know, like my company's bigger than that one now. <laughs> oh, it's, <laughs> it's much bigger. Huh? No, it's much bigger. Um, oh, but again, they were, so they were very, yeah. they are very <laughs> tiny startups. Yeah, well, it, like, I do because again, I had, when you talk about worst boss, best boss. So that first startup yeah. was the worst boss I've ever had. So I love, and he treated me so poorly that I love being mm. like, I don't, I don't need you. Like, I did something so much better. And then the second boss that I had, best boss I've ever had, he and I still talk all the time. And I've actually, I hired his software company to build our fan club app. So we're still super close. Nice. I asked you about polite or fuck off. Mm. And um, actually, Julie jumped right in with Julie Wisdom. And she said, like, don't ever don't say, say fuck, fuck off. off. <laughs> and yeah. right after she said it, you were like, women aren't allowed to uh, do that, basically. Mm-mm. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> the question would be like, well, what, what other stuff? Fuck? Like, yeah, I mean, I know you probably, like, you're doing so great. You probably want to uh, swing your axe around a little bit, like, like thinking about that old shitty boss. But I imagine that probably is in conflict sometimes with, you know, you're not allowed to be strident as a woman. You're not allowed to, like, be too whatever, too spicy or too bold or too, <laughs> someone more wise will tell you, like, be polite so that maybe in 20 years, if you need that job, you can still get it. Like, how do you reconcile those feelings? I mean, my thing is, again, I, 
I'm not going to tell anyone to fuck off unless they have done something like truly terrible to me. Like, I just want to be a good person in general. Yeah. So that that's not something, it's not like I'm constantly waiting to like give everyone the finger. And it's the same way, I, like I kind of feel about everything I do is even if someone offends me, you know, if would an offer offend me or, you know, they're, they don't take me seriously or whatever, like it doesn't bother me at all. Like, because I go back to, I'm going to let the work speak for itself. So if you make an offer that I think is laughable, like, it's okay. You'll see soon that I'm I'm worth more than that. If you don't think that I'm a player in the industry, that's fine. Like, my show's still number one. Like, so there's, there's stuff that like— Who would say that? Who would— people, I mean, I know hmm. people are people will do that. But <laughs> God dang, like, what um, else do you have to do? Yeah, so, so again, and I'm like, you know, at, at some point, what people believe, like, I'm not, like, if they believe that, like, when I believe that the work says otherwise, like, then that's not about the work or anything. Like, and I'm not going to change someone's mind just if they don't like me. Mm. And I don't really give them a whole lot of space in, in my brain. <laughs> so you don't read the comment section. You can't. You can't, You really man. can't. As Chad said, you are you are a whale in the podcasting world, and that's a great thing. But as you said, you're sort of new to the Hollywood side of stuff. And um, I can tell you that I'm old in the Hollywood side of stuff and never read the comments. Like, just never yeah. read them. If you want to hire somebody to read them and tell you, like— if, the good if, stuff. The, well, not the good stuff. Something salient. I don't need to hear the good stuff either because the good stuff to me, it's it's bullshit. If you I, believe so the, good the good stuff, stuff I mean, we, get, we get like emails of people who are like, hey, that John Doe that you guys helped identify was like my cousin. And I'm like, yes, this is what we're doing. And we have people to like filter through that meaningful stuff. Mm -hmm. But I actually told my husband that like a, a couple of weeks ago because he can like get into the comments mm. and get really worked up. And um, we were talking about that and he's like, well, don't you like like hearing that people love you? And mm -mm. I'm like, I don't read that either because I'm like, the second you give somebody the power yes. that like, even if it's good things, if you give them the power to make you feel good, that's when you give them yeah. the power to make you, you feel, feel bad. bad. So while I appreciate that people love me and the show and they listen, like I can't give them my happiness. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can't, the minute you, that's my mom used to always send me pictures and from magazines and stuff because I would never... I didn't. I don't allow like junk mags in my house or anything. She said, "But it's a good picture." I said, "No, you, it, it's a good picture. If I look at the good pictures and like them, that means mm -hmm. I got to give somehow. I give the bad pictures the same credence. You don't. The comment section is just where you, people go to die. And so uh, true. I was. That, that's always my piece of advice to anybody. If if you hadn't already quit reading the, did you ever? Did you ever read the comment section? Yeah, so early on, yeah. I mean, we were upset. We were like, our because we were shocked that people were listening. Yeah. Like again, we didn't come from this world, and so we we would read them, and then we would get so worked up when someone because I think it comes from a place of like they don't you don't understand what we're trying to do, yeah. and you want to explain. Mm. The minute you're explaining, you're losing, and then eventually, I just got so busy doing the work mm -hmm. that you couldn't read the comments. And right. Yeah. That's perfectly right. fine. So Julie's so disciplined about her like horse blinders. Are you on the far end of that, Julie? Are there people, like, are there people who are way more that way than, like, I'll have 10 minutes after this show to recap and then Julie will not want to talk about this show again. And I, and I really it's value true. that way of being. How, like, do you have people who are further along on the spectrum than you in that regard? Me? Yeah, there's people because, yeah. like, I actually have social media. I don't read the comments. I know people who don't even have like many people who I love and respect who are like, I don't even have the social media. Like, mm -hmm. so I'd say I'm at one, I'm sort of at an eight or on the continuum, but there are tens of like, nope. I mm -hmm. I put out what I want to put out and how you receive it is 100% your business. But I, I do actually have social media. 
Ashley, you're entering a new industry, which is publishing. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to name industries anymore, but it's, I guess it's <laughs> book publishing because you're kind of already in publishing. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling like any like newbie anxiety about that? Or are you just like, yo, my voice is so clear. I know what I talk about. People love my shit. Like, I know how to do something. No, you, no, no, you no. Because what I, know, what I know I know is how to talk about true crime, how to advocate, how to, to speak. Moving into this, again, I've never written a fiction mystery novel in my life. And so it's hard to, like, like I was talking to someone earlier about publishing being this, like, roller coaster because yeah. you write down this, this story that you're obsessed with. Your editor rips it apart and basically is like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. Go fix it. And so you're so beaten down, I feel like, by the time it gets to its final version that you're like, I guess this is my book. <laughs> and you, and then your agent's like, oh, it's amazing. You're like, I don't fucking believe you. Like, you're paid to tell me it's amazing. And so I've got all mm. this anxiety of like, how is this going to be received by everyone? Is everyone going to be like, oh, just stay in your lane? Why did you try and do something new? It will come for you because you're successful. And that's what, <laughs> you know, the yeah. people say, oh, you're nobody until you've been sued. You know, you're, um, you're nobody until <laughs> yeah. they come for you. And you're very successful. So they will come for you. And it, that it's incredibly uncomfortable. I always say in, at least in, in Hollywood, because it's the only job I've ever known, is there is no joy, just relief. Because you just like you said, you get to the point where everything's been picked apart so many thousands yeah. of times and then Frankenstein back, back together that you go, okay, I'm just yeah. glad it's done. <laughs> and, and you have to trust that that other people, like, trust your agent. Your book is going to be great. And if it's if it's not, it's going to be great. Why are we even saying it's Well, when it's I, like, I, the, so they did say, send out the advanced reader copies. And so when the first, like, reviews started trickling in, ah! I was like, I, I, I was, like, holding my breath. Mm. And there were a lot of people who, like, who got it and who loved it. And they were like, this is, you know, such, like, a th- mystery thriller for a crime junkie. And I was like, yes, okay. Like, it's for my people. Some people are going to hate it, but it's for my people. <laughs> yeah. Your audience is going to ride for it, for sure. Yeah, Thank absolutely. And sure. it is, again, They're called so All Good People Here. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, everywhere, yeah. I just want to ask one more quick question. Yeah. Is there anything you're you would like to quit. Is there anything that you, in your mind, you're like, I got it. Like, because you sound very disciplined about it. You don't read the comments. You've, mm-hmm. you've gotten very good about delegating your job. You've gotten very good about mm. delegating out to people. So you're not overworking anymore in the way mm-hmm. that you were before you had a kid. Is there something you're like, yeah, I got I, I need to, I need to work on letting that go to make room for the next thing. Ooh, that's a really good question. You know, I I don't know that that's true only because I don't know what the next thing is yet. Right now, I love every bit of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm so happy. And I think it's going to be once I get that itch for the next thing. So if I decide like I would love to write a second book or we do find a TV project that really excites me, then I think I have to figure out what it is I give up. But right now, that's not on the horizon. And so I'm kind of just like living in everything that I love. And the thought of giving any of it away right now, like hurts my heart. But that's because there's not something else that I want to jump to. And you've had the experience of quitting because you did quit when you left left the startup world. Yeah. Was that that moment before? I always love the moment before someone quits. Like, right, right they're like, that's... I'm done. When you wake up and you know that you're done, you're not having that now, but can you just tell us what Mm -hmm. that was like? I'd like to end on a quit. 
Oh, man. It was really scary for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, no one in my family is entrepreneurs. Um, Again, this was a very new industry. And it seemed like to everyone else on the outside, like this, like, cute little hobby thing. Like, you know, it's the way they say, like, opinions are assholes. For a while, their podcasts were assholes. Everyone had one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, even literally, like, you know, my grandpa, I'm not shitting you, two weeks ago was like, I have this friend who has a podcast for widows. Like, can you talk to him? And I'm like, yeah, not the same. Sure. I'll talk talk to your friend. (laughs) How can you say no? (laughs) You can't. So, so. So I wasn't even getting that support right. from like a lot of people outside because they they saw it as scary and me taking a chance on something that's like not a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember just being really, really scared, but excited. Like I loved taking a risk. I wanted to try something new. And I knew that, it, you know, if it, if it failed, I'd find another job. Like, it, you know, was it going to be my dream job? No. But I couldn't live with myself for not trying. So it was it was being terrified and absolutely excited at the exact same time. Did you have a moment when you walked into an office and said, mm-hmm. I quit? And, and again, this was like <laughs> the, my best boss. And so it was like, I was like twisted <laughs> up inside. And he had, you know, he had been so supportive for that whole year that I was doing both things. He even let, we did like this, a crime junkie meetup at the office at the time. And so, you know, he got to see the line of people for six oh, wow. hours that came to take pictures with us. So like, you know, he he got to see how real it was and he was fantastic. He was just excited for me. Um, and again, has continued to be a support for me ever since. Wow. That's a great, that's a great quit story. Cause sometimes you got to burn a bridge. Sometimes, you know, you can't turn back, but that, that is, that's actually a very beautiful quit story. And that you maintain that relationship with your, with your good boss is really inspirational. And it's been a joy to talk to you. You are so fun. A whale. We could pluck, we could just pick your brain all day long. And, and if you come out to LA, I would love to take you to lunch and 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 LAify you for a few minutes. I would could. love to. I'm there. I'm usually there like once a month. So oh, well, that would be super fun. That would be super fun. And then I can really I can't trash wait to talk. read your book. Yeah. Oh, I know. I hope you like it. The uh the all uh, you have to read to the very last page. I'm a I'm a person who once I feel like the book's wrapped up, I don't read the last chapter. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. Wow. I like, I can't, like, I can't stand the wrap up chapter. So I always tell I, people. I'm with you on that, though. Okay. Okay. So, like, yeah, for I'm the people you. like me, I'm like, you better read to the last freaking word because it is jaw dropping at the very oh. end. Oh. Okay. Did, and do you do the audible? Did you read no, the audio? No. Because, and everyone wants me to, but I think it's because, like, they're, they're so used to me in podcast. I can't do voices. There's like, all these female voices, male voices. I would be terrible. So I keep Narrator, telling people. Narrator, nothing. So I, I read the epilogue. Is, okay. is is what I read. It's just the epilogue because I think it would actually let people down. I am not a voice actor. I'll like listen to books and if it has a bad reader, it could be the best book in the world. And if it's a bad oh. reader, I'm like, uh-uh, out, done. I'm the this same. But, and I got, I got two people. The book is told in multiple perspectives. Yeah. So I have two different people who are reading those. But I'm the same way. So I was like really picky with picking whose voice I liked. God, didn't like grind me. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations to you. Super Thank exciting. You. Thank you, Ashley. And everybody read or listen to her book to the very last page. All good people to here. Last drop. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you, guys. 